Hello and welcome to Diaries of a Lady Gardener. If you think gardening is cool and would rather take a trip to the garden centre than go out-out, you found the right podcast, but also you're not in the minority. New research from Draper Tools has revealed that over 80% of young people officially think gardening is cool, and that's mainly because of its benefits for mental health and the environment. Draper Tools is proudly sponsoring this podcast, so why not join me in following them on Instagram, at Draper underscore tools. In this episode, I got to hear more about Bryony's amazing sustainable flower farm, the community she's built through her crowdfunded campaign, and a little bit more about her very exciting plans for the future. I'm sure you'll be just as inspired as I was listening to her talk about her business. So, enjoy! So, hi Bryony, how are you today? Hello, yeah, really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice to see the sun shining for once. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've had a bit of a, a torrential downpour in Cornwall over the weekend, so it's it's good to see the sun. Definitely. We've actually had the same here in Devon um, for the last few weeks, but the plants have just gone mad for it, so I'm not really that upset. <laughs> no, me neither. It's, it's good to feel some warmth as well. Everything has started growing, which is great news after a cold April. Definitely. Quite exciting as well to see everything after all this doom and gloom everything's like opening up all at once (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) so today I'm super excited to chat to you about your um your micro flower farm which I actually discovered it when you were doing your crowdfunding campaign um and the concept is just incredible and so I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about it from you um but I thought to start off we could start talking about where your gardening journey began and sort of how you got to this point yeah absolutely so um yeah the beginning's probably a good place to start so um I've always enjoyed growing things um I have an apple tree in my dad's garden that I grew when I was five years old um so that's 26 years old now that apple tree I'm ashamed to admit <laughs> um so yeah I've, I've always loved growing things um and in in recent years it's become sort of an integral part of my life um so 2018 was quite a monumentous year for me um, in that uh, I had um, really quite a, a dramatic twist to my health. So at, at the time I was suffering with panic attacks um, I'd walk and descend down the stairs um, on a morning and my day would start every day with a panic attack. Um, and that was the sort of prelude really to the whole day just being exhaustingly full of um, overwhelming anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess long story short is I went through some counselling at that time um, and my counsellor suggested that I get some house plants. Um, oh, wow. at the time I, I didn't even have any curtains at this point I couldn't get myself out of bed it was absolutely horrendous um but before I got my curtains I got some house plants <laughs> and um they sort of formed um part of my recovery I suppose you could say um so it was, it was the routine of watering them it was the routine of potting them up making them look nice coming down the stairs and those being the first thing that I saw during the day um, so, so that quite quickly evolved when I moved house. So I bought my own place in 2019 um, and it had a garden, which was really exciting for me. Um, so I, I, I guess, started dressing the garden. It was just pure gravel at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we stripped the entire garden of brambles. I mean, it was a metre high in weeds, brambles and and loads of other weeds. Um, and we, we took it back to soil, put raised beds in there, built a greenhouse. Um, and I, I guess it's just been all consuming since then for me. Um, just, just filling my time, um, doing something that involves thinking about the future, rooting yourself in in the here and now, um, but being able to plan things to make things even more beautiful um, as, as time goes on. So I think it's been a, a great therapy for me. Yeah, that sounds amazing. What a lovely story as well. It sounds like you and your garden both went through quite a transformation in the last couple of years. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, so. On to your sort of crowdfunding campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about how how that went and what the process was a bit like? Yeah, so um, I, for those who don't know what crowdfunding is, um, crowdfunding is a way of uh, funding a project that you're passionate about um, through the use of the community getting involved to, to help get it off the ground. Um, so one of the most famous things that has been crowdfunded uh, would probably be the Statue of Liberty. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, so that was funded by the community and those getting involved with making that happen. Um, so, so that's a little bit about crowdfunding in a nutshell. Um, I started my um, flower growing journey last year when I took on my allotment plot, um, but it quickly became apparent that um, I could extend the season if I had a polytunnel. And if I can do that, I can bring blooms to more people locally um, over a longer period of time. Um, So I thought, well, how can I get the community involved in that? How can I reach out to my customers before I've even got any flowers? Um, And yeah, that's what I did. So I, I put my story down. Uh, on paper as it were or the computer screen and um, just sort of put it out there put myself out there talked about my mental health journey talked about what I was what I was hoping to do and that was really in essence to grow flowers so people could bring local flowers to the local community their friends and family Um, and yeah, the, the rest is history, I suppose. We had 55 supporters in the end um, who backed um, the crowdfunder, which helped us to reach our target of £2,000. And that in turn enabled us to get a polytunnel, um, secure some rabbit fencing that we need to make sure that um, rabbits don't eat all of my <laughs> crops. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just been phenomenal. And it's not just the people that have pledged funds towards the project. It's actually the people that have just given words of encouragement, I suppose, um, just to say, love what you're doing. And um, we, th- we think it's a great thing. Oh, that's amazing. I think I, I was definitely quite a proud supporter. Um, I think it was um, one of your friends, Luke, who shared it with me. We, we've chatted quite a few times about various bits and pieces. And when he sent it over, I was like, this is definitely something I can get on board with. And um, my the Cornish Cottage Garden bag is actually currently my RHS revision study pack. So I take it round with me every day wherever I'm going so that if I've got a spare five minutes, I can squeeze in a little bit of revision. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm really pleased to hear that. I'm actually drinking from my Cornish Cottage Garden mug today. so <laughs> It's a very lo- lovely mug. Um, so did you find you found that there was quite a good reaction from both people on Instagram and the local community for your project? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, Instagram was absolutely fabulous. So the community on Instagram just really got behind me, shared um, shared my crowdfunding across um, Instagram far and wide. Um, and I also sort of shared what I was doing on our local Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that, I've met people that um, sort of have lended hands. Um, I've met people that are decoupaging vases out <laughs> of um, sort of recycled glass for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been really lovely that um everyone's been so kind really that's amazing and um have I seen on Instagram that you have actually started selling your your bouquets and posies yes absolutely so um it was really great actually because I did my first ever market in the history of my life wow um in April (laughs) so um yeah it was just it was great to attend that so we have a local produce market um in a neighboring village to me and I was able to take my first flowers of the year which was my narcissi and tulips um to that market and just meet some some of my customers some people that aren't online Mm -hmm. um yeah, and we, it was just great to chat to people, I suppose. Um, people from Instagram travelled like 10 miles to come oh, and wow. say hello, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I also um, have weekly weekend sales of my bouquets, which I put through my website. So um, and people come and collect those from me or I deliver them. Mm-hmm. But um, when I deliver, I sort of end up having 20 minute chats on people's doorsteps because <laughs> everyone's just so lovely. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Um, it must be such such like a an amazing reward as well at the end that all your hard work is sort of being taken into other people's homes and loved by friends and family. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's been really weird times. I mean, you can't give your family a hug at the moment. People mm-hmm. haven't seen their mothers who live two villages over in, in goodness knows how long. So to actually be able to drive to a neighbouring village knock on someone's mum's door and hand them flowers that I've grown um it just spreads the love I suppose you could say and it's yeah it's been fantastic definitely the kind of thing that we've all needed in these sort of difficult I'd like to say a few months but it's it's been well over a year now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's the new norm isn't it and actually I think we can we can thrive um in in the times that we're in I know it's been really tough but um that there is light in dark times Mm -hmm. and certainly I found that to be so with growing flowers um on my flower plot definitely and I think as well it just makes you appreciate everything so much more I think this year I've really found the garden to be completely magical and although I was obsessed with and fascinated by the way seeds grew the last couple of years this year is really like they're absolutely everything is just blowing me away with how exciting it all is and seeing the first tulips bloom and then them sort of like dying back and waiting for the next thing to crop up it's quite exciting really yeah definitely um, so part of your flower farm, uh, the values behind it is that it is environmentally conscious and sustainable. Is that something you've always been quite passionate about or something you've sort of discovered quite recently? 
Um, no, I think I've always been quite passionate about um, being conscious of sort of the footprint we leave behind, I suppose you could say. Um, but I think particularly with flowers, they are such a loaded topic. And I think people don't appreciate what buying flowers on a weekly basis means for the environment. Um, so certainly I didn't know some of the facts that I'll probably um, quote to you now. So, so if you buy a bouquet from the supermarket um, that's been imported, which 90% of our UK bouquets are, um, it's likely that that bouquet's travelled over 4,000 miles. That's crazy. I, I just find that absolutely staggering. 4,000 miles. Um, uh, so, so if you're buying that on a weekly basis, that adds 1.5 tonnes to your carbon footprint as a household per year. Um, and that's actually 25% of the general norm of what a carbon footprint for a household would be, wow. just, to put, just to put flowers on your kitchen table. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that's quite staggering, really. Um, I mean, not to mention how the travel impacts the environment we've also got the fact that what do we need to spray on those flowers to get them to last all that way all that travel across the world who produces those flowers for argument's sake are they getting a fair wage where are they coming from quite often they're from developing countries and um, so, so it's a question of ethics as well I think um, and and not only that I think that growing things locally and buying from local people um, is really important because it supports um, local people themselves. It also helps people to grow it in a conscious way by adding back to the soil that we're taking from. Um, soil degradation um, being quite a big topic. Um, there's something like hundreds of hectares of um, topsoil in the UK that's um, being degraded at this time. And in the world, 60% of our topsoil um, will be gone in the next 60 years. Um, so I, I think we can all sort of back more sustainable practice um, as gardeners, certainly not using peat in our composts. I mean, there's so many alternatives that we can consider um, and 90% of our flowers are bought from elsewhere. Um, sorry, my phone's ringing and it's really distracting me. No, that's <laughs> OK. Just... Don't worry about it. <laughs> One second. Uh, it, it would have to be work, wouldn't it? <laughs> Nightmare. Right, let me have a sip. Hey, that's all right. Um, so, so, yeah, 90% of our, our cut flowers are imported in this country, which means only 10% of our flowers are bought from local growers. And local grown flowers costs the environment 95% less emissions. Um, so I guess that's the essence of, of what I'm doing, really, giving people an option. Um, I mean, if it's your bag to get flowers that have travelled 4,000 miles and been sprayed with things, <laughs> and then, that, then that's your bag. Um, but I think if there's an option for you to buy locally, then great. I think there should be many more growers doing things they're passionate about. Absolutely. And have you found it like difficult to find customers at all or has everyone been generally quite receptive? I 
I would say everyone's been really quite receptive. Um, for the size plot I've got, which is 300 square metres, um, I have been selling out consistently now for six weeks. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, w- I mean, I would really like to sort of upscale things and grow a bit more going forward. Um, I mean, it's a great position to be in to, mm-hmm. to not have any flowers at the end of each week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think people are behind it. And I think, um, I mean, I spoke to a lady on her doorstep on Saturday and she said, oh, you're the green fingered lady, are you? <laughs> I said, yeah. And, and sh- she just wanted to know what's coming up in the future. Um, and people are really interested. Um, people in the local shop have been really really good because I stock my local Londis oh amazing um, yeah they get loads of questions in there like who who has grown this um, <laughs> because my flowers go next to the flowers they get from the wholesaler oh okay and um yeah there's just no competition in terms of the smells um and how beautiful they are so yeah mm-hmm. it's been great and does that also mean that you're able to grow sort of more exotic varieties than what you traditionally find in sort of the supermarkets where you'd buy like cheap bunches of flowers? Um, yes. So I would say that my absolute favourites with customers um, this spring has been uh, parrot tulips mm-hmm. because they're absolutely show-stoppingly, breathtakingly beautiful. They're absolutely massive. And I've had so many comments that people don't believe that they're tulips. <laughs> um, yeah, it's honestly um, absolutely brilliant and and people have they don't know what a ranunculus is mm-hmm. and um, my goodness imagine a life lived without knowing what a ranunculus is well do you know so, what um, I, I only discovered them a few months ago probably just about when it was it was like a week or two before it was too late to like plant the corms and I saw them and I bought some and I haven't looked after them very well they're not thriving but they are incredible and I'd never even seen them before. There we go. So, so I mean, how does that make you feel being able I know. To grow that beautiful? Um, so, yeah, it, it's about just bringing things that people just cannot buy, um, that, they, that they necessarily won't see, that doesn't travel well for 4,000 miles. I mean, you wouldn't get a sweet pea that you could um, ship across oceans. Mm. Um, but how beautiful does sweet pea smell? So, um yeah, it's what it's all about, bringing something a bit unusual to the table. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you have any sort of tips or pieces of advice that you could give the people who want to grow their own flowers at home in their allotments? I would say if you want to, you've just got to go for it. Um, I kill a lot of plants I will confess to that I am really not an expert grower by any stretch of the imagination but I grow so many things that my failures really don't matter if I've got I don't know I've probably got about 800 plants in the greenhouse at the moment it really doesn't matter if 40 of them don't germinate Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah if you want to grow flowers you go ahead and do it and there's such a wealth of knowledge out there available um, get yourself some books. I mean, I have so many books. I'd probably say I have about 20 books about flower growing. Um, so definitely get yourself some books. Um, read voraciously. Watch Gardener's World. Hit Instagram. Have a look at people's stories. Um, don't just look at the pictures of flowers. Look at the pictures of seedlings that don't really look like that much because that's how they're grown. Um, 
and yeah just be prepared for things to go wrong uh, because it does mm-hmm. and uh, when things do go wrong it's an opportunity to learn so um, yeah you'll probably find that you just fall in love with it and it will change your life. Yeah I definitely have I only started growing flowers properly this year but I did a few last year and I couldn't believe that I'd only been sticking with vegetables the year before um but I've had a lot of my own failures do you have any sort of grand failure stories that you could share of like a time when you just really thought that is it's almost hilarious at how epically those plants (laughs) failed Uh, okay so on the subject of ranunculus (laughs) I bought at great expense 400 ranunculus corms last autumn um, and I was going to grow them all and they were all going to flower and I was going to have a glut of um, beautiful flowers for the local community Um, so in earnest I planted my autumn sown ranunx out at the flower plot in early February I think it was and I got myself a little tiny um mini polytunnel a caterpillar tunnel type thing Mm -hmm. I guess you could call it um which didn't have any ventilation and I wasn't finishing work uh before well I was finishing work after sundown and starting work before sunup um because I do have a traditional job as well (laughs) and I just sweated them to death oh no so the first 200 I killed probably about 380 of them no of the first 200 180 died a catastrophic (laughs) mushy death and it it was so sad but do you know what it didn't matter because I had I had 200 more at home (laughs) (laughs) I think that's definitely the attitude to have yeah, it happens. It doesn't matter. Um, and it was a good learning opportunity because a caterpillar tunnel that's not ventilated in the depths of the wettest winter in however <laughs> long is not sufficient for really fussy diva ranunculus. That is so true. I don't even know what went wrong with mine, but that's definitely a bit of a dramatic story. I mean, I only started with 10 and then it went down to eight and then it was six and it's currently four and I've killed one in the last week. <laughs> I'd love to help you. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness knows what's going wrong with those. But um, and on the topic of that, do you have any sort of like plant nemesis that you've tried to grow many a times and not just not managed to? Oh, plant nemesis. This is quite a weird one, but I really struggle with Rebecca. Oh, really? Yeah, what is wrong with me? I, do you know, I grow some things where people are like, how on earth do you grow that with such ease? <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't really know. I can't really answer that. But my methods just don't really adapt to Rudbeckia. They don't germinate well for me. They then die when they're starting <laughs> to grow. I mean, I have a handful, so it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's something about the way I treat them that oh, they dear. don't like. Yeah. Everyone has something, don't they? I think I have quite a, quite a list of plant nemesis. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, there could be quite a long list here. but Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I know that you are quite into the no-dig um, method of growing. Um, is there a particular reason why you go with no-dig over traditional digging? I know it's sometimes a bit of a hot, hot debate. <laughs> 
Indeed. Well, um, on the subject of soil degradation, I think it is really good to add add back into the soil that you're taking from. So if I'm growing, so I, I grew two and a half thousand bulbs that I planted in October, November last year. Um, how, how can I ask my soil to give me two and a half thousand flowers and then not pay it back by putting something back in there? Um, and I don't want to do that artificially. Um, so I'm quite fortunate that I have a pet horse um, and he lives on a horse yard with lots of other horses. So I've got access to a lot of manure, a lot mm -hmm. of well-rotted manure. Um, so that's something I, I give back to the soil. Um, and I guess you could say my no-dig method Um it's a little bit of a cheats way because I did, um, or my farmer friend did, uh, plough before I started my flower plot. So, um, yeah, sorry, everyone. Sorry, all you uh, <laughs> purists out there. Um, but now I make a little bit of a sandwich. So now that the soil is clear, I do my cardboard, then my horse manure, and then bags and bags and bags of Plant Grow um, UK um 50 50 bio mix on top and it works really really well so the field that I've got will never be plowed again mm -hmm. um, and it's just about adding back to that creating more of an environment for microorganisms um because I, I did talk to my friend Luke um <laughs> along about um slug prevention and a lot of um preventing slugs is actually around having a healthy ecosystem in your soil yeah um, so I don't need to chuck pellets around everywhere if I'm actually looking after um all the other little critters um on the plot as well amazing I think that's good to know as well because a lot of people think that you have to sort of like plow all the time and energy into making sure that you're getting rid of those critters when actually yeah. sometimes healthy soil is what will do it for you yeah absolutely um so going back to the flowers is there a particular favorite flower or variety of a particular flower that you absolutely love to grow do you have a favorite for the year or all time Oh my goodness me. <laughs> it's a tricky I... one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, dahlias have got to be up there because there's such a diverse array of different ones. So I think I've got over 45 varieties of dahlia that I'm growing this year mm -hmm. and over 150 dahlia plants themselves. Wow. Um, but that doesn't pigeonhole me into any particular type of flower because there's just so many available um, with regards to um dahlias I really like lysianthus but I can't grow them that is the worst nemesis that I've oh got. no Have you those before? I haven't oh my goodness me they take six months to get to the size of a golf ball oh wow oh, yeah I managed to kill those but yeah anyway back to the favorites <laughs> probably dahlias I absolutely love tulips as well. I guess I love the showstoppers mm -hmm. um, from each season. That would, yeah, that would be what I'd say. Oh, I completely agree. The dahlias are definitely my favourite. I think as well, but like you say, there's so many varieties, so many different colours, so many different, even the ones with the different, there's um the group ones with the green leaves and then there's ones with like a really deep red leaves. Yes. They're what I'm desperate to get my hands on this year, but I keep forgetting to add it to my list of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely amazing and the shapes and forms absolutely stunning definitely um so 
do you have like what are you, could you share with us your plans for where you want the sustainable flower farm to go over the next well you can pick a time frame what are your goals for the future so, so my goals for the future and please don't tell my boss this <laughs> um, I, I would like to transition um to more growing and less working in an office environment mm-hmm. um so for me uh, my five-year plan is to grow the business enough to drop a day of office work per week mm-hmm. um so um I, I can't afford to just give up my office job so my plan is to absolutely work the hardest most incredibly um hard hard-working person you've ever seen in your life on the weekends mm-hmm. um so that next year I can drop Wednesday and then the week after that it goes from there and and the more time I've got the more flowers um that I want to grow so it certainly wouldn't be about um looking to drop days at the office job so that I can put my feet up mm-hmm. it's just so I can, I can grow even more and and certainly have a bigger space to grow on um so yeah I'm very fortunate to have friends that let me grow on their land Mm-hmm. Um, and if things go from strength to strength, then um, I would look to have a bit more land or, or use a little bit more land um, to grow more flowers, which means more more for local people, more to show you on Instagram um, and just spread a bit more joy, really. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I really hope that I can come and visit at some point. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Thank <laughs> Definitely. you. I've just invited myself there. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no problem at all actually (laughs) you would love it it's such a lovely setting um because as I said it's at my my horse yard where I keep my horsey boy um and we've got three miles of farm tracks that we ride on and there's there's lakes and beautiful fields that they cut for haylage um and then my little flower plots nestled sort of out the way a little bit where they sort of store odds and ends um but it's absolutely stunning it does sound like an absolute dream I'm almost jealous. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, not even almost, I'm very jealous. <laughs> so hang on a minute then. What about you? So what has <laughs> been your most exciting flowers that you've grown? Just throwing it back at you a little bit for any oh, tip. God, I haven't hadn't thought about it. Um <laughs> my favourite flower. Do you know what? Last year the sunflowers really, really did it for me. Yes, I'm with you all the way. Yeah, and I loved, last year was the first year I really realised, because I'm such a newbie gardener, I'm like two and a half years into having an allotment. Every year I discover things that everyone else seems to have cottoned on two years ago and I'm just finding now, but I couldn't believe how many varieties there were. And um, so I grew probably like six six to eight different types, like short ones, tall ones. We had like a sunflower growing competition. I actually ran a sunflower growing competition at work for about 25 people because it was just as lockdown had begun. And um, it was incredible to see everyone else's sunflowers growing. But I would also say a little part of me wants to call them my plant nemesis because although they did grow really well, they all grew facing out of the plot. And I was fuming because there was me envisioning this gorgeous little Instagrammable corner of sunflowers and they all looked like they were stood in the naughty corner. (laughs) And I was trying to, I was twisting the heads, trying to get photos with them. And then I ended up snapping a couple of heads. And that's what you don't see on Instagram because it's always glorious photos, but you don't see the behind the scenes where actually I, I did, I did kill a couple of sunflowers just by trying to get a photo of them and not in the naughty corner. Who won the sunflower competition? I've just got to know. 
Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, no. But you can't. Were you the judge? Well, I was kind of, yeah. There was, yeah. Um, we had four awards in the end. We had one for the most blooms. Um, someone had a sunflower with 25 different heads on it, which was insane. Wow. Um, the tallest sunflower, which was, I, I want to say about 10 foot. It was quite impressive. Um, what was one of the other ones? The biggest sunflower head. Um, we all, I think a few of us had grown different varieties. They weren't necessarily all the same seed, so it wasn't very fair competition. And then we had the Wooden Spoon Award, which um, I'll give a shout out to Debbie because I know that she's going to listen to this. Her sunflowers, <laughs> they were a lovely failure. <laughs> when she put up the photo of her wooden stems at the end of the year, we just had to give her a prize because we felt a bit <laughs> bad for her. She, she swears I gave her dud seeds, so... Oh dear, wooden spoon for a wooden stem. Yeah, but this year hers are actually doing better. That we've done it with the entire office. There's about 360 people in our um, sort of big team, uh, and we sent sunflower seeds out to everyone this year. So I'm really hoping that it will be like quite an intense competition where everyone's getting quite competitive. Um, I'm again currently losing. This year, my sunflower seeds have been eaten by the birds twice. So I've sown loads in the greenhouse and I'm going to plant them out, but I'm a bit behind. (laughs) Oh, no. Do you know, I entered a um, sunflower growing competition on Blue Peter when I was a kid. No way. Yeah, I'm sure they were 12 to 14 foot. They were absolute whoppers and I didn't even get a badge. No way. You were robbed. (laughs) I was, I was absolutely <laughs> robbed, um, but yeah, I've got the memories. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I would say I, I do love some. I love dahlias. Everyone says they love dahlias. They're just so beautiful. And this year, I, um, I've got some new varieties that I didn't have last year, and the patch is just getting ever so slightly bigger each year, which is quite exciting. That is good. I love that, and also it's so good for your veggies. Hmm. Bringing in the pollinators, a bit of diversity, you've got to love it. Definitely. That's a good question, actually. Is there anything that you do on your farm to sort of encourage wildlife diversity? Like on mine, I've got a little, it's not very big, it's not very impressive, um, a little one metre square patch of like wildflowers and all sorts for the birds, bees and butterflies. Um, But is there anything you do in particular? Um, Well... I have a pile of manure that's yet to be spread and the birds, it's a bird buffet. <laughs> Apparently every single plug that I've grown from seed is also a bird buffet. Oh no. <laughs> they just love, they love it. They love to eat my flowers. Um, but, but as I've said, my plot is on a working farm where mm. they grow grass for haylage. So particularly at this time of year, the seed pods and the flowers and the wildflowers in the hedgerows are an absolute um they're a haven mm-hmm. so um I went down the other evening and there was a deer frolicking through the field on my way down to the plot and it's just oh. beautiful to see um, and we are right by the lakes um where we have a neighbor I say we the farm owners have a neighbor mm-hmm. who has beavers on their land they're the only UK wild beavers, um, but they break into the farm and they go in the lakes from time to time. <laughs> so for it to be a wildlife haven, I mean, who can boast that beavers are present? 
Oh my um, goodness, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they build dams though and it causes a bit of flooding, so it can be a bit of a nightmare. But um yeah, <laughs> no, it is amazing. There's geese that come annually and lay their eggs in the lakes. Um that there's all sorts that we see, and, and I think also the variety that we grow that spans from April right through to November is is just a bee buffet. So it's yeah, it's great. That's amazing to hear because I know um, that a lot of people are sort of talking about save the bees and there's so much that we can do. Um, but like like you say, especially in sort of like the April, May time, there's not actually that much for the bees to eat in traditional gardens. So it's amazing that you've got that big wide space where they do have something to feast on all year round. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I make a point as well. If a flower blooms over, what would be a good time for, for me to cut it for a bouquet? I don't cut it anyway. I leave it for the bees. So um, it's there for beauty and for bees if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's past the point, really. So that's quite nice. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's part of the whole gardening. I know that a lot of people are like to keep their gardens quite pristine I would say mine isn't quite as pristine as I would like but it's always lovely to see like birds snacking on something that you've grown or it's not so nice when you see that the mice and the rats have eaten your corn but um <laughs> nice to know that they've enjoyed it at least someone got got the benefit from all that hard work <laughs> yeah definitely we're sharing our space I think that's the point isn't it mm-hmm. and um it's actually a pleasure to to see a wild deer um, jumping through the long grass and to find a toad in your manure heap it's great <laughs> it sounds like a little fairy tale story yeah it is nice do you um I don't know if you're a bit young or not do you remember animals of farthing wood yes oh my god that was life when I was a kid yes, so yeah amazing yeah that's the kind of life I want to live <laughs> Me too. And I think it's actually like we were talking about it a few days ago. Um, it's amazing how many younger people have got into gardening, even in just the last year alone, where I think it was always viewed as a little bit of a um, retirement hobby. These days, it's actually quite, quite cool to be a young gardener. And actually, loads of people laughed and poked fun at me when I first got my allotment because I got it as a Christmas present. And um, I don't know what I was doing. And then I started my Instagram and people only really thought it was cool because a few people started following me. And then now everyone's quite invested in it. Like I sit in the office and talk about my allotment nonstop and people are like, oh, wow, that's actually really cool. Well, well, there's skill involved in it, knowledge, and it's actually a little bit of magic that's involved with with growing things. Definitely. So, um, yeah, I, I think people should be envious if they don't already grow, um, because it's the most natural thing that there is going. Mm, yeah, it is a really incredible experience. I think even the fact that you can grow so much over so many seasons, like my first year, I didn't realise you could grow anything over winter. The second year, I started growing stuff over winter, and I was like, it's amazing that we're here in the rain harvesting like squashes and leeks and brassicas it's just amazing yeah I know and we've just um I just binned my purple sprout and broccoli that was the saddest point of the day for me yeah it was honestly beautiful um but yeah to grow that it took over a year for that to be harvestable but it's um it's a lovely thing to do to to spend all that time and there are plants that will give you sort of almost instant instant gratification like your radishes um that that grow so quickly so yeah it's great 
Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Bryony. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear all about your flower farm. Um, if people want to follow you on Instagram, do you want to let us know what your handle is? Yes, it's the Cornish Cottage Garden. And it is a beautiful account to follow. Um, so people can keep up with your adventures and how your farm goes on there. Um, Thank you very much. But I wish you all the best of luck and I can't wait to come and visit sometime soon. Yeah, it'll be wonderful. You're most welcome. Thank you. Speak to you soon. You too. Thanks. What an amazing concept. And it's been such a pleasure to watch it come to life and hear more about it today. I really can't wait to visit someday soon. I'll definitely be taking you up on that invite, Bryony. Don't forget you can follow along with Bryony's journey on Instagram at the Cornish Cottage Garden. And if you're local, why not pick up a bunch of blooms for yourself? If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I'd love to hear any of your questions and stories on Instagram at Diary of a Lady Gardener or via email diaryofaladygardener at gmail.com. That's all from me for today, but I'll be back again next week. So, happy growing! This podcast has been produced by Jay's World with original audio from Jason Matthews.